0: Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media.
1: A look today at two men and what they experienced when their days on earth were done. Today on Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Jesus tells us there were two
0: real men, real individuals. And Jesus tells us that these two men, when they both died, they ended up in their eternal destinations immediately after they died. There was no waiting room, there was no holding pattern, there was no second chance. The decision you make here and on earth will determine where you'll spend your
1: hereafter. Welcome to Leading the Way with Dr Michael Youssef. No doubt recent months have forced many people to consider life and death a little more closely. Stories of people who came down with COVID have shed light on how fragile life can be and hopefully focused many on the spiritual questions of what happens after our last breath. Today, Dr. Yusuf reveals four things that the Bible tells you about your eternal future. It's part of his short but timely series, The Truth About Heaven. Join me in listening now. The truth about heaven is this. The New
0: Testament makes it very clear that every human being that has ever lived Every human being will live again after they die. Every one of us are going to live again. Those who think that they'll become nothing when they die, only fooling themselves. Those who think that they're going to become a snake or a cow or a donkey after they die, they're fooling themselves. When we die, we shall live again. And we're all going to have spiritual bodies. But then there are only two locations in which... Every human being are going to spend there forever. Either the place of joy or the place of torment. There is perhaps no clearer picture of that fact about these two locations and no third in Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. Turn to it with me, please, and follow it. Luke 16 because in this true story that Jesus tells, by the way, it's not a parable, it's a true story. If it was a parable, he would have told us it was a parable. But it is a true story. And only he, the co-equal with God, who coexisted with God the Father, could tell this story. And he knows what happened on the other side of life. And so, here the Lord Jesus Christ in this true story pulls the curtain and he lets us in. To see what is going to happen one second after we die. Jesus pulls the curtain and gives us all an idea of the nature of these two locations. In which every human being is going to spend their eternity either in one or the other. And therefore the choice is very clear. Jesus pulls the curtain and lets us see that there is one place... Where there is loneliness, where there is pain, where there is agony, there is that one place where there is torment of conscience, there is torment and pain of guilt. And then there's the other location, and there is pure joy and pure happiness, unspeakable peace. Jesus tells us there were two real men, real individuals. One man lived for himself. He pampered himself. He worshipped himself. He cared for no one else but himself. He loved no one else but himself. He lived for no one else but himself. He spent his money on no one else but himself. And the Bible said, Jesus said he ended up in that place of utter darkness. And then there was another man, and Jesus names him. His name is Lazarus. Lazarus had very little of worldly goods and worldly material. But he lived a godly life. He lived a contented life. He fixed his eyes on God. He anchored his heart. He anchored his hope. He anchored all of his life in God. And so when he died, Jesus said the angels carried him into the bosom of Abraham. Now you say, what is that? In the Old Testament, before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as an absolute proof that he and he alone is the Lord and the Savior and the Judge. Before his resurrection, in the Old Testament, people called paradise the bosom of Abraham. But after the resurrection, it is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where Jesus will be, as we saw in the last message. Now there are several things I believe the Lord Jesus Christ wants us all to know. About one second after you die. One second after I die. Four things I want to share with you very quickly. He wanted us to know that we will have personal knowledge in eternity. Secondly, he wants us to know that we will experience deeper emotions. And thirdly, he wants us to know that we will have spiritual bodies. And fourthly, he wants us to know that there is no waiting room There is no holding pattern. We will have personal knowledge. (laughs) Just listen carefully, please. Because what makes you you is not just your body. What makes you you, what makes me me, is our memory. It's our personality. It's our traits and our gifts and our our passions, our our preferences and our interests. And for the believers... (laughs) All these things will be there in the spiritual body, in the resurrected body, except they'll be purified, (laughs) they will be magnified, and yes, they will be sanctified. One second after a believer dies, all of the memories and all the passions, all the desires, all of our minds will become clearer than ever. But for the unbeliever, for those who have rejected salvation free from the hand of Jesus Christ. The Bible said they will have a spiritual body also. But they'll be in a place of pain. Continuous pain. Day and night. Hour after hour. Pain. They will experience physical pain as we see here. They will experience continuous anxiety. They will experience undying torment. Look at verse 27 and 28. Look at this man. He was worried sick about his family that he left behind. He was so anxious. This man's family was obviously as godless as he was. And he became so fully aware of himself, he became so fully aware of his surroundings, he was feeling the pain, he was feeling that agony, and he did not want them to come where he was. And so after a few seconds in hell, he became a great evangelist. And he didn't want anybody to come where he was. The believer will only be aware of the joys and the peace. That comes from the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will recognize one another. You remember in the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus took Peter, James, and John. And there on the Mount of Transfiguration there was Elijah and there was Moses. And Elijah and Moses did not have to wear a name tag. They knew exactly who they were. And in heaven, we will not be introduced to people. We will know who Abraham is. We will know who David is. We will know who Paul is. We will know who Peter is. We will know who our loved ones are. Because the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, he said, Then I shall know fully as I am fully known. We will not only have personal knowledge, but secondly, we will experience deeper emotions. Listen carefully. All of our emotions are gifts from God. Our intellect is a gift from God, so is our emotions. And therefore, in heaven, not only that intellectually we'll become aware, but even our emotions, they're gifts from God. He made us with with these emotions. These are gifts from Him. Sin has tainted our emotions. Sin has tarnished our emotions. Sin has twisted our emotions, but they are the gift of God nonetheless. Let me give you an example. Take the emotion of love. God gave us the emotion of love. Why? So that we might love Him. And so that we might love one another. But when sin came in, it made us love things, not people. Take the emotion of fear. God created us with the emotion of fear. Why? So that we might fear God. But what did sin do? Sin twisted that emotion of fear. And instead of fearing God, we fear people and fear events and fear circumstances. Take the emotion of hate. God put that emotion in us. Why? So that we may hate sin, so we may hate unrighteousness, so that we may hate injustice. But when sin came into our lives, what happens? We hate people instead of sin. So, we in heaven, where there will be no sin, where there will be no sin, all of our emotions will be restored to its original intent by God. We will love more deeply than we've ever been able to love before. On our love for each other is going to be deeper and fonder and purer. And more intense and more magnificent than ever before. We will have personal knowledge. We will have deeper emotion. thirdly, we're going to have spiritual bodies. We will have spiritual bodies. For those who will not go to heaven... For those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. For those who have rejected the salvation that is offered to them through the cross. They too will have a spiritual body. They will have a spiritual body. Look at what Jesus said about this man. This self-centered man. the self-worshipping man in the place of torment. He was able to talk. His tongue was burning. And it needed to be cooled off. He was able to see. He was able to hear. His body was sensitive to pain. He was recognized by Lazarus. Even on the other side of the divide. What did Jesus want us to know is this. Everyone will have a spiritual body. Regardless of the destination in which you will spend eternity. Regardless of their destination which they choose in this life. We will have spiritual bodies. And those spiritual bodies are going to be very much like our physical body. Except that they will live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. What about the spiritual body of the believers? They will experience... Continuous joy and not sorrow. They will experience rest and not pain. They will experience fellowship and not loneliness. They will experience love and not hatred. They will experience comfort and not agony. They will experience glory and not shame. They will experience honor and not guilt. We will be more living than we've ever lived before. Listen to how Paul contrasts the physical body. With the resurrected body. One of my favorite passages, First Corinthians 15. I always share it with folks who lost their loved ones to glory. First Corinthians 15. Here's how Paul contrasts this body with the resurrected body that is awaiting us. Because we're not gonna be floating souls, we will be closed. The apostle Paul said, our souls will not be naked, but will be closed. And Our spiritual bodies, our resurrected bodies, listen very carefully, here's the contrast. He said, the physical body is perishable, but the resurrected body will be imperishable. The physical body will be destroyed, but the resurrected body will be raised up to glory. The physical body will die in weakness, but the resurrected body will rise in power. The physical body is natural, but the resurrected body will be supernatural. Our spiritual bodies will be like Jesus' body after the resurrection. He told Thomas to feel the marks of the wounds. But he was able to be from place to place without physical limitation. We will have personal knowledge. We will experience deeper emotions. We will have spiritual bodies fourthly and finally... There will be no waiting room. There will be no holding pattern. You know how when you fly into Atlanta many times, you're coming from Europe or overseas, and you're tired, and you're looking forward to go home, and then the captain gets on the PA system and says, we've been told by the tower to be in a holding pattern. We can't land, there's too much traffic. And they keep going around the city, and around the city, that's called holding pattern. Waiting room. No, 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 no. In heaven, there are no holding patterns. There are no waiting rooms. It's an instant translation. There are some people who teach, when you die, there is a waiting room. And there you spend some time. And then, depending on how you make it in that waiting room, you can either go to heaven or you go to hell. Others go even as far as to say that uh, we can actually pray for the departed loved ones... So that God may move them from this waiting room into heaven. Now my friend, listen to me very carefully. I want you to read my lips. This is medieval thinking and not Bible. It's not in the Word of God. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8. He says, absence from the body for the believer is presence with the Lord. It is checking out and checking in. It's instant. It's immediate. There is no waiting time. And Jesus tells us that these two men, when they both died, they ended up in their eternal destinations immediately after they died. There was no waiting room. There was no holding pattern. There was no second chance. The decision you make here on earth will determine where you'll spend your hereafter. Those who refuse to accept Jesus' forgiveness, here and now, will spend the hereafter in Christless eternity. And there, no one is going to say, God did not give me a fair shake. No one will say, God gave me a raw deal. There, no one is going to accuse God of injustice. We do now. People even who don't believe in God, when things go wrong with them, they shake their fist at God. They still don't believe in Him, but they still shake their fist at Him. Why did you do that, God? It's amazing. They shake their fist at somebody they don't believe exists. Isn't that amazing? But there, they won't be able to do that. No one is going to say, those who end up in the place of torment are never going to blame God. And here you see it in Luke 16. It's very clear. This self-centered man... This man who lived all his life worshiping himself, pampering himself, cared for nobody else, did not care for God. This man did not blame God at all. He said nothing of the thought. He knew that he brought himself to that place all by his little self. And nobody helped him. This self-worshipping man, when he ended up in the place of torment... Never complained. He never blamed the circumstances. He never blamed God. He understood that because he spent all of his life for himself, he ended up in eternity by himself. In fact, he pleads with Abraham. Look at it in the text. He he pleads, reasoning, that look, if Lazarus would rise from the dead, they all knew him. He said, if he rises from the dead... My family may believe and not come to this miserable place. I don't want them to come here. And Abraham, in effect, said to him, he said, if they're not going to believe the Bible, if they're not going to believe the Word of God, if they're not going to believe their friend who loves them and prays for them and witness to them, if they're not going to believe the preaching of the Word of God, even if somebody rises from the dead, they will not believe. And that is why, my beloved friends, the Bible said, That the time for believing is now. That the time for repenting is now. That the time for confession of sin and receiving the forgiveness from the hand of God is now. The time for salvation is now. For there will be no second chance. No second chance. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't postpone it. You're gambling too much. With the most valuable thing you have. And that's your soul. Repent now. Believe now. Receive the forgiveness now. Why? Because after you die. It is too late. It's too late. After you die. You will either hear your name called up yonder. Or you won't. And that's it. I want you to look with me. Verse 26. Abraham makes a statement that ought to make every one of us who know Jesus, every one of us who know that when we close our eyes in death, we'll make it to heaven. This verse ought to put you on your knees and make you commit every waking moment to making sure no one will go to that place. Chapter 16, verse 26, Abraham said to this man, Who spent all of his life on himself. He says, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. And so that those who want to go from here to you cannot. Nor anyone cross over from there to us. My beloved friend, I want to tell you. There's only one bridge that bridges that chasm. And his name is Jesus. And you can cross that bridge today. He welcomes you today. His name is Jesus. You're on the only bridge that crosses that chasm. When he stretched his holy body between the ridges of that chasm. On that cross of Calvary. So that you and I may cross over. And you can do that today. There is no other way. There is no other way. Try to convince yourself all you want. There is no other way. There are so many religious people. And you know the Bible, you can read from that story that Jesus tells. This man must have been a religious man. He was Jewish. He was a religious man. He probably kept all the festivals. He probably went to church, the synagogue on the Sabbath in the temple. He probably did all the religious things. And because I have some religious friends, religious people, whom I know, they think that an effort on their part... Is gonna get them across that chasm to heaven. I have friends who think that if they just, nice people, they will be able to cross that chasm into heaven. Some religious people who think that because they haven't hurt anybody and didn't do anything really big, bad, they're gonna be able to jump across that chasm. These people, dear people, think that if they've done enough good things in their life, they'll be able to jump across that chasm to heaven. The truth is, being good and being nice and being kind may able to get them three yards, but that's as far as they can go. They can never cross to the other side. Only the bridge, Jesus Christ, can take them across that chasm. And that is why. I ache and sighed. Only Jesus and Jesus only. Who stretched his body across that chasm. Made the only bridge possible to heaven. And only repentance of sin. And acceptance of his gift of salvation. And acceptance of forgiveness of their sins. Acceptance of his lordship. His mastership over their life. Will get them across that chasm. Someone here may say. Michael well I, I thought for. Wrongly for so many years, that my effort, my religion, my religious activities, my good works are going to get me to heaven. And today you've heard the truth about heaven from the lips of Jesus. I'm only a messenger, beloved friend. That chasm is too deep a chasm, is too wide a chasm for any of us to be able to cross. But you know what? If you don't cross now, and you wait, it will be too late. And that is why I implore you, surrender of self. Surrender of flesh. Surrender of your selfish ambition. Surrender your self-mastery. Surrender your misplaced confidence. And only surrender to Jesus Christ will get you across that chasm. Will you do it today?
1: This is Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Have you thought about how blessed you are? Think about it. Today, all you needed to do was press a button to begin listening to Leading the Way and other strong teaching on this radio station, online or through your favourite podcast app. But many around the world don't have that same ease to access radio or internet-connected services. One such example was brought to light recently in a letter we received from Indonesia, where some Leading the Way ministry teams recently reached out to prisoners to distribute Leading the Way Navigators, MP3 players loaded with messages from Dr Yusuf in the local language and spent time talking with inmates about Jesus while they were there. Here's a note we received from a team member who participated that day. "'Last week, we visited that jail again and gave Navigators to several of the men who were very grateful.' The prisoners spoke of being familiar with Dr. Yusuf and shared how some had recently given their lives to Jesus and been baptized because of his words. If you'd like to learn more about leading the way, call one 133 589 right now. That's 1-300-133-589 or online at ltw.org, ltw.org. And you can write to us at Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr Michael Yusuf.